Um, I'm glad to be with you guys today. I get the opportunity to, to share with you guys. I have a few announcements. One is uh, we have Abide on every other Wednesday. So this coming Wednesday at 6 o'clock right here in this room um, is Abide. It is a worship and prayer night. It starts at 6 o'clock, and all are welcome. You guys can find that information online on our website, and then you can get registered there. But it has been pretty powerful um, times of worship and prayer. So I just encourage you all to come to that. And then next Sunday, this is a big one. Everybody listening, this is a big deal. Next Sunday, um, we are starting at 10 a.m. So our time is changing. Um, we were not sure about all the things and if we were going to do two, so keep it at 11. It's just been a long talk. So we now, um, we have decided that we are moving it to 10 a.m. So if you come next week, make sure you're here at 10 a.m. Um, and that's, yeah, we'll be starting then. So, and we'll do some reminders and stuff like that throughout the week, but that's what we're doing. So, so okay, so um, Easter, you guys know, was a couple weeks ago, and Ryan spoke, um, and it was an amazing mes- message. And, um, and then next week, we are starting an Acts. And so this week and last week, we're doing the in-between, the resurrection and Jesus' ascension into heaven. So there's 40 days that Jesus was on the earth. And so um, Ryan did, did last week, and it was a good lecture. It was very good. He, he was like, this is more of a lecture. And I was like, yeah, dude. I was like, I'm going to do the fun stuff. I'm going to tell some stories, and I'm just, yeah, I'm going to get into the, to the goods. But... Um, so this morning, we're going to be talking about three disciples and their interaction with Jesus on the 40, or during the 40 days. And um, so if you guys want to turn to John 20, that's where we're going to be today, and then we're going to get into John 21. But um, with all that we are facing in the world right now, everything that is happening with, you know, and you guys just know, you know there's a lot going on in the world right now. And so it, it's a little, it feels a little um, divided. I feel like a lot of people are divided, and it's very strong on their, their opinions and their, their stances of things. And so it can be really hard as we're walking through life of just, you don't know where anybody stands, you don't want to offend anybody, but it's just, it's a hard thing to live out. And so as I was reading through John 20 and 21 and preparing for this message, I just really felt like the Lord was saying that he wants to do some reminding of some things to us in this time. And he also wants to encourage us as believers, as we're living in this world, that is a little divided right now. Gosh, sorry. Um, So the first disciple that we're going to talk about is Mary Magdalene. And yes, Mary Magdalene was a disciple. She was one that followed Jesus. She loved him with all of her heart. And it says in the Gospels that Jesus um, cleansed her of seven demons, and that she was also witness to the crucifixion and the burial of Jesus. But This is an important thing as well. She was the first one that Jesus revealed himself to after he rose from the dead. She was the one. It was a woman. I just want to say that right now. It was a woman. (laughs) All right. He revealed himself to to Mary. And so we're going to talk about Mary. She is one that just, she followed Jesus. She was with him. And so um, we're going to start in John 20, verse 11. And it says this, Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, at the head and uh, the other at the foot. And they asked her, Woman, why are you crying? 
They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize it was him. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking that he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbani, Rabbani which means teacher. And Jesus said, Don't, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father and to my God and to your God. And Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord and told them that he, uh, the things that he had said to her. So Mary knew that, she, that it was Jesus as soon as he said her name. She may not have recognized him at first, right, thinking he was the gardener. <laughs> but it was as soon as, he heard, as she heard it, her name spoken that she knew it was him. And I don't know if you guys have seen The Chosen. Um, it's such a great series. Everybody needs to watch The Chosen. It's just so good. But there's the moment in the first uh, season where Mary is running from Jesus. She doesn't know who he is. She's running from him and just trying to get away from him. Not like literally running, but she's trying to get away from him. And he says, Mary, and she stops in her tracks and she just knows who it is. And it's like that moment is what I was picturing when I was reading this because that moment gets me every time when I watch The Chosen. I just start bawling because it's like, oh my gosh, she knew him just by, because he knew her. He knew her name. And um, so because she knew him, the first thing that he asks her to do, she does. She goes and she tells the disciples and lets them know that he is alive, that he was not in the tomb and that he is alive. And just like Mary, we get to know the voice of the Lord. We get to know him personally. We get to walk life with him. We get to have relationship with him. And I was teaching TFF the other night. That's third, fourth, and fifth graders. They meet here on Wednesday nights. And I got the opportunity to be with 12 of them the other night. And it was a lot of fun. But I was teaching them about Jesus and about hearing the voice of Jesus. And I was talking to them about, because um, they were like, how do you know it's the voice of Jesus? And I was like, well, you spend time with him. You get to spend time with him. You, you start to learn his voice. And I said, okay, I said, back in the day, and they were really confused by this, but I said, there were not cell phones back in the day, okay? There were just home phones. There was a phone in your home. And I said, and there was no um, caller ID. I mean, we did get that eventually, which was kind of crazy. Um, but there was no way that we would know who was calling us unless we actually picked up the phone and answered it. Right, So they were a little confused, but they were tracking with me after a while. I was, I was teaching them there. And I said, okay, so if your mom were to have called you or your dad were to have called you, and they didn't say who they were, but you just heard their voice, would you have known who it was? And they were all like, yeah, I would have known who it was. And I was like, right, but why would you have known who it was? Why would you have known their voice without them saying their name or who they were? And they were like, well, I don't know. And so we started, you know, talking it through. And we, you know, we came to this conclusion that they have been hearing their parents' voice since before they were born, right? Their mom was talking to them when they were in their, her belly. And so they know this voice. And so anytime their mom or dad calls, they go running because they know it's mom and dad, 
Like, I, it, they're not mistaking that voice. See, the same thing goes for, what, for us knowing Jesus' voice. We get to spend time with Jesus. We get to learn his voice. And so then when he calls our name, there's no doubt in our mind that it's him. We know that he's the one talking to us. So Mary, she spent time with Jesus day in and day out. She was with him for three years, knowing him, hearing him say her name, spending time with him as they would walk and as they would talk. She knew him intimately, and that's an invitation that we get to have with Jesus. He wants to know us intimately as well. So now she's standing in front of this empty tomb. She's probably confused. She's probably a little worried, like, what's going on? Even though she's been told, you know, Jesus told her in advance what was gonna happen, she still is grieved right now, right? She had just lost someone she loved. She watched him be crucified on the cross. And so she's a little confused of what's happening, but in that moment, as he says her name, there's no doubt that she knows that he's alive. There's no doubt that she knows he's the one standing before her. You know, Jesus may not be here physically in the flesh, but his presence is with us, and he wants relationship with us like he had with Mary. He wants to know you and for you to know him, and he, uh, he wants to spend time with you, and he wants you not to doubt his voice in your life. He wants you to know him so well that you know when he says your name, there's no doubt, and then you move forward in what it is that he's saying to you. He wants to grab your attention and meet with you and that you would follow his direction and his leading in your life. The second disciple that we're gonna talk about is Thomas, and you might also know him, he's known as Doubting Thomas. What a nickname. I really would hate that nickname, right? But Doubting Thomas, or Thomas, he was one of the 12 disciples, and he spent time with Jesus, so he walked with Jesus, he, he sat with Jesus, he shared meals with Jesus, and he was there when Jesus was talking about what was gonna happen. And so in Matthew 16, 21, it says, from the time of that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. So Thomas hears this. He's there when Jesus is talking about this. He's there when Jesus is saying, hey, I am going to die, but I'm also going to come back in three days. I'm gonna be raised to life in three days. So after Jesus has seen Mary, he then went to go see some of the disciples. And Thomas just didn't happen to be there at that time. And so the disciples were telling him, hey, we've seen Jesus. And so this is an account of what happened with Thomas in John 20, 24. It says, now Thomas, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord, but he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. And then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. See, Thomas, he was skeptical. 
He, he didn't believe that they had actually seen him. They're like, yeah, right. You know, like he, apparently he wasn't listening to Jesus when he was talking and sharing. But really, I don't know that it wasn't that he, was, he wasn't listening. I think it was more that he wasn't understanding what Jesus was saying when he was here. Right? So now he's in this place where he's like, I don't know that I believe this. I'm actually going to have to see this with my own eyes. I'm going to actually have to touch the hole in Jesus' hand. I want to know this for a fact. So I'm not going to believe it until I see it. See, he gets called out for doubting, but how many of us would have been the same? I know I would have. I would have been like, uh, are you sure? Like, I'm gonna need to see this. Like, where is he? Let's go find him because I don't know that I believe this. But see, how many of us have heard something about Jesus and have struggled to believe that it's really happened? Maybe we've heard that someone was getting, you know, got healed or um, a miracle happened for their life and we wonder, well, were they really diagnosed correctly? Was that really, were they really that sick? Yes, Jesus heals. Yes, Jesus does the impossible. But a lot of times it can be a little hard for us to wrap our minds around, right? It can be a little hard to really understand what's happening because Jesus can say something, but for us to understand what he means, he talks to me all the time about things and I'm still confused. I'm like, what you said? And he's like, but that's not what I meant. And I'm like, well, it would help if you told me what you meant, literally so that I can understand. And he's like, but why don't you just trust me? Why don't you believe me? Why don't you have faith that I'm, gonna, I'm doing what I'm saying I'm gonna do? Jesus was standing before Thomas, and as much as, he, as much as he was alive before the crucifixion, he was alive that day. And Thomas just needed proof. But it says in verse 29, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. See, to live a life of this kind takes a lot of faith. It takes us knowing Jesus and knowing that he is who he says he is and that he'll do what he says he's gonna do. You know, I spoke a, a message a couple years ago about believing God, and I remember the Lord taking me through this whole journey up to that of just taking Jesus at his word. And it was not an easy journey. But I remember the things that I learned about him and just knowing like, okay, you really do mean what you say and you really are gonna follow through with what you have to say. It may not be in my timing, it may not be the way I think it should happen, but you really are a man of your word. You do know what you're, you do follow through with what you're saying. So just like the disciples who walked with Jesus, we get to walk life with him and we get, get to believe what he says to us. We get to trust him. We get to have faith. We get to let that faith in us grow. We get to be people who hear God speak to our hearts and then wait in anticipation for what he's gonna do. Thomas, he could have missed it. He could have missed seeing Jesus. I don't know that Jesus would have let him, you know, but, but he really could have missed it because he was doubting so much. God wants to move in ways that are unexplainable. He wants to move in the impossible and he's looking for people that are gonna believe him and then wait for those things to take place. That we get to partner with him and say, okay, what is it that you want me to do for that to actually happen? How can I partner with you and be a part of this miracle that you wanna do, God? And see, the thing is, Jesus didn't come to Thomas and, and he wasn't upset with him. 
He wasn't angry at him. He wasn't calling him stupid. He wasn't shaming him. He was, he was full of love and compassion. He didn't shame him for not believing, but he did say, blessed are those who don't see and they still believe. He was encouraging us to believe and to take him at his word, even if it seems completely impossible. There are so many things that I, I, I just know in my life that I've been like, there's no way that that could happen. There's no way. But I'm gonna miss it if I don't believe what God's saying to me. And it's crazy, because he'll show up and you're just like, I don't even know how that happened. The way that we got this building was crazy. I mean, the miracle after miracle after miracle. And we were just sitting back going, there's no way that that's gonna happen. There's no way. But we experienced an amazing miracle as we received this building. So if we struggle to believe, here's the thing, Jesus is full of love and compassion as well for us. And he's gonna work on that in us. He's gonna grow that faith in us because he wants us to be people that do take him at his word. I think that if any of us were in that same place as Thomas that day, we probably would have been saying, yeah, I wanna see that too. I don't know if I believe either. But we all know the story, so we can look down on him and call him Doubting Thomas. But really, I think that if we were really honest with ourselves, there's a lot of times where I struggle to believe what Jesus is saying to me, and I wanna be better at that. Let's be people that take him at his word that we listen to him, we spend time with him, and we believe what he's saying. We don't put limitations on Jesus and need proof before we really believe it's gonna happen. He wants to blow us away with doing the impossible. He wants to blow us away with who he is. And we get the opportunity to then glorify him and show others who he is by those things. So the third and final disciple I want to talk about is Peter. See, Peter is the disciple that denied, denied knowing Jesus three times before the rooster crowed. And we all know this story where Jesus came ahead of him and said, hey, you're going to deny me three times. And he's like, no way, I love you. I'm never going to do that. And then he does. And then he hears the rooster crow. And I'm one of those, the, those pastors that are like, I'm like, I want to know what it was feeling. Like, I want to get into the story. I want to like, oh my gosh, could you imagine the pain that he was feeling in that moment? Can you imagine how he felt when he betrayed Jesus? Jesus told him he was going to do it. Can you imagine how much he was probably beating himself up and just grieved in his heart that he just turned his back on Jesus? That, I, if, honestly, if it were me, I probably would have just been ripping myself apart but he had spent three years side by side with Jesus and he said that he would die for Jesus and then he gets put to the test and the first thing that he does is say, I don't know him. I'm not one of the disciples. In John 21, Peter and some disciples, they were out fishing after a long night of fishing. They didn't have any fish in their boat. And so Jesus is standing on the shore and they don't know that it's him. And if you want to follow with me in this, it's John 21, verse four. It says, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but his disciples did not realize it was Jesus. He called to them, friends, I have, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. 
The disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and he jumped into the water. And the other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. So as soon as Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he wraps his garment around him and he jumps into the water. There was nothing going to stop him from being near Jesus. He was gonna leave his buddies, you take care of the fish, I don't care. Like, I am going to Jesus. I wanna be next to him. I wanna be where he is. I wanna hear what he has to say. I, I don't know if you can relate to that. Do you have that in your life where you're like, I don't care what's going on, I just wanna be with Jesus. I wanna spend time with him. I wanna walk life with him. Is there things that are getting in the way of you doing that? See, Peter, he was like, None of this matters. I don't care how many fish we have. I don't care. I just want to be with him. The disciples, they got to be with Jesus physically for 40 days between the resurrection and the ascension into heaven. And so you can imagine that they are overjoyed by his presence and being like, I want to spend every waking moment with him. Wherever he's at, I want to be with him. Just as much as Jesus wanted to be with them that day, that's what Jesus wants for us too. We get the opportunity to be near him and to walk life with him and to partner with him and to hear his voice. You know, I'll tell you a little story about this last week. I, um, I got a little correction from Jesus. Um, it was very loving. He's, he's very kind to me. <laughs> but I am, um, I'm an, uh, on the Enneagram, I'm a six. So if you know anything about the Enneagram and the six, like I want to know what's gonna happen. I kind of like the safety of that. So I like to look ahead of things. I like to be just in the know. And so I got a little cocky and I had spent some you know, time with the Lord and he had shown me a couple things that were happening in my life and I was like, oh, I totally got this. I totally know which direction this is going. And so I was moving forward without him really. Like, I mean, yes, he was with me, but I was not really talking to him about things. I was just doing my own thing. I was moving forward into some stuff and not, you know, I was just doing my thing. And thinking I knew everything that was going to happen. I've got this, God. And so I, a couple days later, am sitting there crying, saying, well, that didn't happen the way that you said it was gonna happen. And I thought that these things were gonna take place. And I started to doubt myself and I started to struggle. And he gently just said to me, how about you and I walk this out together and you release, you release the reins and let me lead? And I was like, oh. Because I knew right then in that moment that I wasn't, I wasn't supposed to be the lead in this. Jesus wants to lead my life. He wants to direct me. He's not gonna give me the whole picture because if he did, I'm going to run out way in advance and I'm gonna make it happen now. And he's like, how about me and you do this together? How about you come alongside me? Jump out of the boat, get near me, let's go. We're walking this together. And I have to be patient and I have to trust him. I have to trust his timing. I have to trust what he's saying to me. And I move when he moves. He has the reins, not me. So I had to let go of the reins that day and just trust that he is moving my life. 
See, this is what Peter was doing. He, he knew what it was to be near Jesus, and he wasn't gonna let anything stand in the way of that. Peter knew what was up, so he jumped out of the boat to be with him. And then it goes to John 21, 10. It says, Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have caught. So Peter, Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even so many that the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now the disciples, none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. In listening to Jesus long after a night of not catching any fish, as he said, hey, throw your net on the other side, they caught so many fish. Doing what he tells us is always our best. It's always for our best. And like Mary, they didn't recognize that it was Jesus. They didn't know that it was him on the shore, but they knew it was him because of his presence. They knew, they were familiar with his presence. And then Jesus was sitting with Peter in John 21, 15, and it says this. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you would dress yourself and you went out where you wanted. But when you are old, you will still stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. There's a lot of different things that you can teach out of that passage. But the thing that I was talking to Holy Spirit about as I was reading through this was that redemption was actually happening for Peter in that moment. See, there was actually breakthrough that was taking place in Peter's life as Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? See, Jesus knew that Peter loved him. He knew this because he had spent time with him. He knew Peter and he knew that Peter would do anything for him, but Peter might not have been believing that himself, right? He had just denied Jesus three times. So he might have been struggling with that and then now is thinking, oh my gosh, Jesus is struggling to believe that I love him too. But really, Jesus knew that he was loving him. And Jesus is following up these questions with this answer of, okay, then feed my sheep. Jesus was commissioning Peter as Jesus was getting ready to ascend into heaven, he was saying, as I leave this place, do as I did. I want you to love people. Express your love for me by loving others. See, Jesus was the greatest example of loving others. We know this. We read the Gospels and we see that his life here on earth was one of love for the unlovely. 
It was one of seeing those that are passed by and rejected and loving them. It was one of those of compassion for the lost and the lonely. As you read through the Gospels, you see that Jesus never passed up those that everyone said, don't talk to them, don't get near them. The lepers, the ones that are demon-possessed, the ones that had sinned and done all kinds of things, don't talk to them. And Jesus is like, makes a beeline for every single one of them. And then he's telling Peter to do the same thing. He's saying, hey, in the same way that I lived life here on earth, do that out of your love for me. Take care of my people, feed my sheep, love as I have loved. So if we were to look at our own lives and be completely honest with ourselves, are we living a life that reflects Jesus and the love that he's pouring out in our life? Is that how we're treating people? Is it coming out of that overflow of his love in our life? Every single opportunity that we have when we encounter people, we get the opportunity to love them as Jesus has loved. No matter what their status in life is, no matter what their stance in politics is, no matter what their view of COVID is, or their race, or their color of their skin, or they're poor, or they're rich, or they're homeless, or they're in a home, no matter what, we get to love. That's how we're going to change the world. That's how we're gonna see division broken in this world. See, division is all around us, and it's horrible. I'm watching Christians join in, and I'm thinking, what is going on? Jesus never wanted that from us. He has always called us to love. You can have a conversation with someone that doesn't agree with you, and you can still love them really well. It's okay. But so often we're doing what the world is doing and it is not okay anymore. Jesus is done with it. He is calling us up and he is saying, love those that are around you. I don't care what the difference is. I don't care. I want you to love. He commissioned Peter to do it and he's commissioning us to do it. So if we were to look at these three disciples and their encounter with Jesus in that in-between time, what are we gonna learn from them as we face what we're facing in this world today? See, we get to let those that, um, we get to be the, those that hear the voice of the Lord and know his voice because we've spent time with him. Mary spent time with him. She was obedient to what he said immediately as he spoke, he, she moved because she knew him, she knew his voice. We get to allow our faith to grow and take Jesus at his word, knowing that he is who he says he is and he will do what he says he's gonna do. See, Thomas taught us to grow in our faith and that we don't have to always see it before we believe it, but we can just take Jesus at his word. And we get to love others out of the overflow of the relationship that we have with Jesus, not responding to the world as the world's responding but being those that jump out of the boat and get near Jesus and that are filled with love because of that relationship that we encounter with him every single day. And it comes into all those relationships, all those people that we see everywhere. We get to love those that are different than us. We get to love those that are not easy to love. We get to love because he loved us. So I'm gonna ask you guys to stand.
We are gonna be transitioning into Acts next week. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's just, I'm just really appreciative of that time in between that we got to talk through. And I hope that it was just encouraging to you and that you would just be like, okay, there are some things that I need to adjust. I know that as I was working through this message and writing it, I was like, oh, okay, Jesus, I hear you. You know, but God is so good and he's not shaming us, but he's just saying, I just want to encourage you. Be my disciples. Follow me. Listen to what I have to say. So Jesus, we just turn our eyes to you right now. And we just thank you, Jesus, for the relationship that you want with us, for the relationship that we have with you. We thank you that you are not a God that's far off, that you have the time for us, you have things for us that you want to talk about, you have places for us to go, people for us to meet, and that you want to do it with us. And so Jesus, we just turn our eyes to you and we lock our arms with you and we say, yes, we want to join you in what you're doing. Let love be what is coming out of our lives, not hatred, not dissension, not just like let it be love, God. And if there's anything in us that we need to deal with, I just pray that you would bring that up so that we can deal with it. So that it would be an overflow of love towards this world that is so divisive right now. Jesus, we just pray over this valley. We just ask God that that you would move in a mighty way. We want you to be known in this valley. We want your love to be known in this place. So let it start with us. Thank you for these times that you've met with these disciples and thank you for encouraging our hearts today. We love you and we choose you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Have a good day, everybody.